J. Ewing, you're listening to Lester the Nightfly. We are really blessed today. The first of many episodes with Terry Saccone. She is a rock journalist and she has been following rock and roll for many years. I will let her tell the full story. She's in the UK. Terry, welcome to Lester the Nightfly. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, I'm pleased to tell you a little bit about myself and my journey. I can't wait. I have been looking forward to this conversation for many, many months, and I'm not, I'm not kidding. I am a newly minted radio guy, uh, having been doing this show for about a year now, but I've been interested in this field for a very long time and now get a chance to play the role of a host, which is thrilling for me. And here you are, uh, a veteran who's got lots of stories and lots of experiences, so I'm just so pleased and I, I do hope terry if you like me if you like us that you will <laughs> that you will be on the show again and we'll keep talking and we'll make it years and years of lovely chats but let's well, let's start, be my, start my my therapy sessions <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to be in, in therapy with you terry <laughs> i have to confess that i never really had a, a plan it just sort of happened organically when i went to college finished college got a boring normal job and i didn't like the nine to five lifestyle nor the whole I, I wasn't cut out for that i had written for college newspapers a little bit about music when i was at you know college and it just sort of a friend suggested that why not apply my writing experience to doing interviews and at the time this was the mid 80s the music business was, of course, a very different arena. It was very publishing and magazine oriented in terms of there were a lot of music mags, a lot of outlets. In New York, we used to get um, magazines from the UK, 
in Europe. And I used to read those and I used to read Musician. That was my Bible. And I was also a big reader of album sleeves. And I used to pour over them when I was really little. And then I just sort of thought, yeah, why not? Why not try to do interviews? And I did. And I started to um, flog my work um, at local New York free music magazines like the Aquarian Weekly. And um, Long Island had um, the music paper. And um, that's how I started. I just started to write for them, of course, without pay. And then I started to accrue more interviews and get published. And as I was published, I had accumulated clips. And then when I fleshed out enough clips, I went to national magazines. And I was lucky that I was brought on to Cream's Metal, Cream, Cream Magazine, as everybody's heard of, the legendary Cream with Lester Bangs and all sorts of other famous music writers. Um, they had a, a metal uh, magazine. And I wrote for them, Modern Drummer and Rock Scene. That was like the mid 80s, late, like 86. I started with all those. Came to the UK to cover um, the Donington Metal Festival. Then that opened up more avenues for me. I don't know why metal sort of was my slot. I, I'm not, I don't favor one genre over another. It's, I love all music as long as it's good. Um, but, uh, yeah, metal kind of became my niche for a while. And, um, especially with the, with the drum magazines like Modern Drummer, they used to always send me out to interview heavy metal drummers. And that's how it started. And it just flourished from there. Let me throw you a curveball right now. Uh, have you ever heard of the magazine debut, D-E-B-U-T? No, I haven't. Where yeah, is that at? It's a little, it's gone, long gone. I wasn't as aware at the time of Cream and Modern Drummer. A musician, yes. A Rolling Stone, of course. And there were a couple other little weird ones. But somehow, I was born in 65. So I was into some of these bands, you know, relatively early just because of my sensibility. But we came across a, a magazine slash vinyl so it was as large as a vinyl. It was a record in a sleeve and it was a magazine as well. And it was expensive. It was like 20 bucks at the time or something, which was a lot more than the regular record. And it was um, where we found new music. Nick Hayward, we found uh, Cocteau Twins, we found uh, Strawberry Switchblade. We found all these bands from the debut record that came out. And I think it was so short-lived, Terry. It was just a brief little moment in time. And I don't think I have any of them left. But as my sisters, my younger sisters and I were getting into music, these magazines with, with pages and all the things of a magazine and a record were so important to our lives for, for a brief period of time. Well, it's funny you should say that because growing up, I'm a couple of years older than you, growing up in the 70s, I said that I used to read album sleeves and I venerated just the information, the people on, in, in the bands and also the producers and um, the engineers. And, you know, and you start seeing these names over and over and over again, like Glenn Johns and um, um, Eddie Kramer and blah, blah, blah. And then you end up many years later interviewing these people. It's a little trippy. But yeah, I know what you mean about the whole album um, reverence and the whole 
ritual of, of having albums and putting them you know off on the turntable and all that and um obviously that's made a, a comeback and there's been a renaissance in vinyl i'm not sure i understand that renaissance in vinyl i'm delighted that it's here i have purchased vinyl recently i'm not playing it i'm buying them to have them because I, uh, I recently did an interview with the uh, lead singer and creator of a band, a little tiny band called Haunted Jet out of Athens, GA. And I yep. bought the record to support him. And then I did an interview, but really I'm listening to it on Spotify, but I bought the vinyl to be kind of closer to the artist. And I, I guess I'll open it at some point, but I don't, I don't need the vinyl. I suppose, you know, we all believe that vinyl sounds better. But it's a it's a task to do that ritual nowadays when you just throw it on your mobile. So I don't know. Do you do you listen to do you actually play records nowadays? I confess I do not. And I'll tell you why, because I have made a couple of maybe three moves across the Atlantic, you know, from Boston to London, New York to London, back and forth. And I just don't I just don't. I have vinyl, but I've um I've bequeathed that to my my children who are adults and they have my, my um, original some girls and sticky fingers and all that. Sure. 
I should say that one of the most recent wonderful magazines that I had the experience to write for, um, Long Live Vinyl, uh, out of the UK, it was this, the size of an album, you know, an LP, and uh, it was an amazing um, magazine because it, it was all about vinyl. I got to do a lot of interviews with um, people who made it the whole vinyl genre great in terms of album cover photographers, artists. I got to interview Craig Braun, who did the Sticky Fingers album cover with Andy Warhol. And he did the zipper. He, it was his ingenious idea to put the zipper on there. And he also um, did the Stones logo. The, the tongue and lips logo is actually Craig Braun. And uh, some people attribute to uh, John Pash, who did a mock-up originally, but it was Craig Braun who did the authentic one, the one that they still use to this day, the Stones, not the, not the original one. And um, yeah, I got to interview just some really great um, names from that era, like um, Norman Seif, who was a photographer, who is a photographer. And um, Mick Rock, who recently passed. So there, this magazine went for four years, and it was just a labor of love. Unfortunately, uh, during the pandemic, um, the lockdowns perpetuated a lot of um, closures in the publishing industry, which was dying off as it was. It was on its last legs for a while now, because younger people maybe don't buy a, you know, paper magazines. But yeah, that was a real privilege to talk to some masters of album art and photography and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm just adding that to your recollections in your the magazine debut that you mentioned. So I'm I'm a space cadet uh, and and pretend radio host. What is the name of the magazine? It's called Long Live Vinyl. I thought it's I heard amazing. that. Amazing. Okay. Yeah, it was really thick paper, really well made. It was about. I think about seven pounds here, which is like $10. And they were selling it in New York and London, Berlin, those kind of places, I guess, that had the vinyl enthusiasts. I just love the whole inner workings of the music industry in terms of the creative side, not so much the business side, but more the creators. I find it compelling to this day, even though I've done this job for 35 years, I, I just, I just find all of it really interesting and um, how people create songs, create ideas, create um, images, you know, how they go into the studio and production and even having the muse visit them to write songs and lyrics. All that is just so fascinating, isn't it? It's so amazing. And it just brings to mind so many things. I've got so many questions for you, Terry. And in our first interview, I don't want to throw them all your way, but let's, let's try to do them in order. First of all, I don't want to miss the opportunity to hear if there are publications today that you think that we should be subscribing to. And this is a very real question. I was looking at Pitchfork online. I was thinking about Rolling Stone. I, I feel almost obligated to subscribe to some magazines right now. I want in. I want to read rock journalism. I want to support the industry. Any thoughts on where we should go with this uh, for me and for those listening? Probably the only magazine that I, at this moment in time, that I would read and that still exists is Mojo, and that's out of the UK. That still has some good uh, writers and has some integrity, but some of the magazines that you obviously mentioned have strayed from the music narrative and gone into politics and Hollywood. I'm talking about 
Rolling Stone, obviously. <laughs> uh, Mojo's the only one, but I am no longer writing for magazines. I'm now doing books with people, book projects. I'm just sort of like pivoting because two magazines that I was on staff at have died during this lockdown period. And they've gone, one has gone online completely, but it's become much more of, um, how should I say, corporate. And I like the more organic, down-to-earth type of publications that we're, it's written by fans. Even though we're music journalists, we're also fans of music. And that is not always the case anymore. It's, it's a bit of a um, stratification where the writers are, you know, corporate hacks and they've been brought in by God knows who. And um, I don't know, it's to push products and push, uh, you know, guitars or whatever, rather than speak for the fans. In fact, I just want to add a little quick story there. I, I've actually once put it out there on a um, band webpage and asked fans what they wanted me to ask a very famous musician that I was about to interview so I could stay in touch with what readers want to know rather than just take it from my standpoint, my perspective as somebody who's been in the music industry and who has my own view. I wanted to get a broader view. So I did that and I actually brought questions from his fans to my interview. Anyway, that's just an aside. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Mojo. Lester loves Mojo. You're listening to Lester the Nightfly. We're here with rock journalist Terry Saccone. We are now going to subscribe to that magazine. I'm promising you that. And um, that's going to open a whole door for me. And I mean this, Terry, thank you, because I am going to start pursuing what Mojo does. And uh, with your recommendation, sight unseen, because I've never heard of it and never seen it, but you are enough of a recommendation for me. I'm excited about this. Wow. Very cool. Thank you. Okay, so the next question I've got for you is Rolling Stones. You mentioned Sticky Fingers. Are there songs that you love that when you think of Sticky Fingers or the Stones that, that you love? What, what music from the Stones are, is interesting to you? Well, that's a really good question. I got to interview a Stone, but we'll talk about that, that maybe in another um, meeting, another show. I love the Mick Taylor period of the Stones, which, of course, Sticky Fingers... I think that was his first album with the Stones, if I'm not a mess. But yeah, I love that album. I love the whole of the album. I'm trying to think. Sister Morphine is fabulous.
wet Just goes to show Things are not What they seem Yeah, that's my favorite period of the Stones when the sad passing of Brian Jones and Mick Taylor stepping in. What a great, they made some great albums during that time. Let It Bleed and Sticky Fingers. And oh God, it's just, it's only rock and roll. Just Goat's Head Soup. Just really great Stones period for me, those Taylor years. Well, you know, Terry, because this is the magic of radio, we're going to hear some of those tracks right now. And then we'll be back with Terry Saccone here on Lester the Nightfly. Ah 
Next question for you, Cherry. That was the Rolling Stones. You're listening to Lester the Nightfly. This is so much fun. Uh, I don't know if I sound like I'm thrilled, but I am. I'm kind of tingling right now and very, very uh, into this conversation. So thank you for being here from the UK. I love this. Uh, this is kind of the dream when I uh, conceived Lester the Nightfly after the song from Donald Fagan uh, that I would be doing interviews with really cool people like you. So thank you for helping me realize a dream, Terry. <laughs> I'm flattered. Super and cool. When you start thinking about all the opportunities that you had or have made for yourself, it's quite fascinating. And I, I as you know, I'm quite... Um, humbled by being in the music industry um i don't really toot my own horn because it's been it's been quite challenging to remain in the industry first starting out as a young female and all that goes with that you can imagine back then in the 80s <laughs> and then just sort of moving on and having to reinvent oneself uh there was a period of about seven years where i started to write about pop, pop music for women's magazines like Elle, L Magazine, and to tr just to try to keep relevant and pivot as much as possible to sort of keep going. Maybe we'll get into this another time, but I'll tell you the time I shoved a uh, re recorder, tape recorder in Jimmy Page's face. And um, I'll leave it there <laughs> and leave you hanging. <laughs> uh, you are doing that. And that's foreshadowing everyone for a future episode with Terry. I love that. Let me jump to something that's right now very relevant to at least all of Americans, maybe all of those in your country now, the UK, maybe everyone on planet Earth. And that is Get Back, The Beatles, the documentary, Peter Jackson. I know you didn't really cover The Beatles. Of course, it was post-Beatles that you were doing your work. But have you seen it? Uh, is it a buzz in the UK? Because we can't open the New York Times without another article popping up about this really amazing documentary that's kind of dropped around Thanksgiving. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, if any, on, on that topic? Okay, well, I want to say that first off, I only watched the first episode, so I cannot uh and tell you i've watched the entire thing yet and um it's it actually made me cry so that's why i stopped it brought up back so many memories of growing up in new york and you know in the 60s and 70s and the beatles a very visceral show so far and um when i say i'm cry i cried it's just tears of joy and remembrance really that's all oh and i just want to add i have interviewed two Beatles children, Stella McCartney, <laughs> fashion designer, of course, and um, Zach Star Starkey, Ringo Starr's son. So I have had that little bit of a Beatles connection, but that's where it ends. <laughs> so interesting. I watched the whole thing. I'm going to watch it again. So if anyone, I think The Guardian, there was a quote I read somewhere that said, oh, it's like watching paint dry, which, um, okay, I can, I can see someone having an opinion about the recording process being toilsome thing, but I found it riveting. I had it going on as I was doing other things. So I did miss some of the commentary that Peter Jackson was adding on text on the screen and subtitles. So I'm going to go back and do the whole darn thing again. I've been giving the book away as gifts for to corporate people, friends or whatever um, for the holidays. Um, there's a big, beautiful volume of uh, that I think was actually published during the time or 
I'm not exactly sure, but anyways, it's a, I, I'm, I'm captivated by the whole thing. And I, I appreciate your, your sentiments because you watch these joyful, young, very young men, not knowing that six months from then they're done, not knowing what we know in retrospect, the Yoko effect, the, the, the tensions, they, they introduce a new figure that's going to supposedly lead the Beatles and that collapses. I mean, everything goes wrong in the spring, six months later, but this was a joyful moment and you saw tension, yet you saw resolution in it. And I was just mesmerized. And I think so many were brought to tears just from the joy of the greatest band of all time in the middle of a recording session from footage that we just didn't know was there. I mean, it's just, it's got so many layers that blow me away. I was really thrilled to see it. That's a, a fantastic endorsement. I like the way you phrased that. And it sounds like you just 
said that at the, off the top of your head too yeah. <laughs> Which is better but. yeah well it's a gift terry when you're when you're as good as i am i just you know it's it, it, it pours out of me does does dear god dear god the ego my god here i am on the ping pong table in the middle of long island with such a such a self-important language okay uh, moving past that thanks for for answering that one you know I, I, here's what i want to do i i want to kind of conclude our time together for this first episode with music and that means off of the top of your head my dear terry what are the songs, the signature songs that you think about when you think about your rock journalism? They don't have to cluster around any time, any, any, anything's fair game for you, but I'd love to play some of your favorite songs from your own journalism, let's call it. I went on the road with several bands, which we'll talk about in another show, perhaps um, what it was like traveling with rock bands. I'd say it's some music by NXS.
black crows. Tell you she's an orphan After you meet her family Black as night now 
pulls those shades down tight Oh yeah, there's a smile when the pain comes The pain gonna make everything alright Alright, yeah, yeah She talks to angels There's a call around by her name Def Leppard.
White Snake. subscribe to mojo and we're going to look forward to another show many other shows terry i hope <laughs> little bits and bobs you and i are going to pick a topic we'll run with it we'll play some music and learn about the last 35 40 years of rock and roll through your eyes so i'm just thankful that you were here for this and i'm so excited about more me too i look forward to it, pj
This has been a PJ DJ production. Oh,